0: We are diving into Wizards After Dark. Uh, after another Wizards loss, they lost the tonight. 113 108 had a chance to come back and win it. They were playing okay, and Miami just kind of edged them out. Uh, I'm doing this one at home over Skype because I'm getting a dude on tonight who I, I, I really have wanted to have on as a guest for a little while. I'm Fred Katz, by the way. I cover the Wizards for the Athletic, and I'm the host of Wizards After Dark. And joining me is uh, Steve Jones, who is a Video coordinator in the league for a while is great follow on Twitter you should follow him on Twitter Steve what 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 else have you done
1: man uh I worked with the Grizzlies I uh, worked with the Nets I was I did coaching for a year I played in college I'm not good at introducing myself but there it is
0: that's it that's fine. <laughs> you can give everybody else your LinkedIn
1: if, oh yeah uh, I got you
0: <laughs> they really really want to know
1: very true. Very true. Uh,
0: you you sat down in your home and you watched the Wizards Heat game tonight. That's a big, that's a big deal.
1: I did, and that was a a game. I guess you could call it. That was. Uh, that, I we should be friends now because yeah. I, I watched that Heat Wizards game for the purpose of this. And
0: <laughs> that's that true. Was, <laughs> well, let's let's talk about the most pressing thing. I I where was that Thomas Bryant flop in the in like all time like all time flop rankings. I oh, thought that was phenomenal.
1: It was unreal. And really the key wasn't the initial flop. cuz he he did the over exaggeration on the initial shove, but it was the rolls. Yeah. The five bonus rolls and he kept going and it was I was like, "Wow, he's really gonna keep doing this." You know, of course he got up and laughed, but that was crazy. Uh, if I was cooler and hipper, I would have had a good meme for it. Something about sliding the DMs. But I didn't have anything for y'all.
0: You. <laughs> you know what? If he, if he, uh, I really believe that if he hadn't flopped, it would have been a flagrant on Olinik. Like yeah, I think but- because he flopped so hard, it just made it. It was so obvious that he flopped that it made it seem like Olinik didn't actually push him. But Olenek, like, for sure, like, shoved him after the play and probably should have gotten a flagrant or, like, just a tech. Like, it shouldn't have been double techs. But because he flopped so hard, he gave them a reason to make it double techs.
1: That's actually a really good point. He, that would have been all Olenek. But, I mean, you heard the crowd react to it. But when you review it and he rolls 17 times, <laughs> you have to give him something. So that's just funny that you get pushed and you end up with a technical foul.
0: Everyone, everyone says, everyone said after that, give him an Oscar, give him an Emmy, myself included. It, in, in retrospect, he should have gotten like a Razzie.
1: Yeah, because it, yeah, it, it wasn't quality. Yeah, the plan backfired. The plan yeah. backfired. If he, if if Alenic had gotten a playground or gotten ejected or something like that, that would have gotten him that Emmy category. But the fact that he ends up getting a technical foul is going to have to pay money out of his pocket because he rolled around. Ah, it didn't work out. It is kind of
0: amazing that he got a tech for that.
1: He didn't do anything,
0: and he got a tech, and it was because he just sold a, sold a flop. So not even poorly, just just egregiously. Um, yep. One thing I want to talk about with you, because your basketball expertise is really great, and it's why I fully endorse why people should follow you on social media. Um, so two games in a row now. End of the game, Wizards down three. Bradley Beal is run a pick and roll. Defense has come and trapped him, and he's given the ball up very freely to an open catch-and-shoot three-point guy. It was Thomas Bryant uh, in the last game, which was against Denver. They were down three. Brad got trapped. He gave it up to Bryant on the right wing. Bryant shot an open catch-and-shoot three. He missed it. The Wizards lost. Tonight, two heat defenders come at him. He kind of goes up to shoot, realizes in the air he's being defended by multiple guys, kicks to Thomas Sadoransky who was wide open, uh, popping on the left wing. Sadoransky misses an open catch and shoot three-point shot. I asked Brad about the concept after the game of, like, the who should take the last shot question and if that's really a thing. Brad was not thrilled with my line of question, and he told me (laughs) after. He He was like, why are you asking me questions you know the answer to? I'm like, because tons of talking heads, man, say this crap, you know? Who should take the last shot? And let's be real, there are lots of all stars in the league who fully believe I'm the all star. I should be taking the last shot. Uh, the Wizards, I, I just think it's, it says something about Beale's basketball identity that tonight, he's a competitive dude, but tonight they took, he took two shots in the fourth quarter. And he, he believes so strongly that who takes the last shot doesn't exist that he, he just refused to believe that my line of questioning was even legitimate, uh, those, but those are the right basketball plays, right?
1: Yeah, I, I've, I'm not certain what the uproar is. Bradley Bill in those last two games, made the right basketball play. He did his job. So, yeah, we, we love to talk about the star player taking the shot, making the clutch plays, and, yeah, that's part of their responsibility as well. But when you're in that role, late in that game, and you've got two on you, you can take a tough contested shot, or if you kick it to an open man, if he hits that, are we having the same discussion? That's always what I come back to when we have these late-game narrative talks, which I'm sure are going to pile on because it's playoff season time. But if if, if Sadoransky hits that shot, are we talking anything about Bradley Beal making a bad play? Probably not, right? No, I
0: mean, look, uh, when the Wizards played the Knicks earlier this year, the, the Wizards have worked a lot of late-game ATOs off the fact that they know that defenses, and that wasn't an ATO, but they've, they've done this on ATOs, a lot of late-game plays where they, just, they know defenses are going to trap Brad. So they put him in situations where he's going to get screened, whether he's running off like... Uh, just like an off-ball screen at the elbow or something like that, and he curls, and two guys come at him, and then he's able to find a you know a guy who then rolls after mm-hmm. that. Or if they just run a simple pick and roll, and like they have worked that knowing guys are going to trap. When they beat the Knicks on that that you know buzzer-beating basket from Thomas Bryant two months ago, they ran a pick a super high pick and roll with Bryant and Beal, with Beal knowing he was going to get the ball up because the Knicks had trapped him for 47 minutes and 50 seconds leading into that play. And, like, the Wizards want to take advantage of that. And, like, if Brad's got dudes around him who make the shots, it looks better. Uh, I wanted to talk to you about some bigger picture stuff, too.
1: Mm
0: hmm. Uh, Zach Lowe, did you read Zach Lowe's 10 things yesterday, by any chance?
1: I think I got through, like, three of them.
0: Yeah, so his, his fifth or sixth one was on the Wizards' defense, which, like, the Wizards, since also break, the All Star break, the offense has been pretty good defensively, they've still been the same team they were. And now Scott Brooks is starting Thomas Bryant and Bobby Portis. And Zach Lowe wrote about specifically Bryant and Portis and how defensively both those guys are free agents. But, like, even if they re-sign those guys, like, where are the Wizards going to build a defense from? Uh, because those guys, you have them on the floor, and the rim protection numbers are just bad. The defensive numbers are bad when those guys are there. They both kind of defend with feet, you know, in the mud. Um, and I kind of want to talk about the more technical parts of Bryant and, and Portis as, uh, as defenders. Do you think you can build a decent defense with, if either of those guys are, are, are defending the back ends of pick and rolls and defend and defend the rim?
1: In their current form, it's going to be tough. In, I'm not going to say it's impossible. I mean, if you look at what the Nuggets have done with uh, Nikola Jokic as far as being able to take what he does well, and just let him do that and put the rest on the rest of the team. There's ways to be able to hide I don't know if I want to say hide, but there's ways to be able to scheme around a big man's deficiencies. Um you got to have good defenders around him. With what they do right now, it's it's not great cuz there's just not a lot of communication. You know, there's some activity from Bryant, he'll get up there, but it's after the fact. You don't know if he's going to be able to stop the ball. You don't know if he's going to be able to recover and protect the rim. You don't know if the weak side is going to communicate. I mean, I can remember off the top of my head, I think I posted on Twitter, but D-Wade had a back cut from, like, the wing, and he literally just walked behind everyone and ended up getting a layup. And that's, more, that's not necessarily Bryant, but it's one of those things where, as a big in this league right now, you've got to be able to move your feet and do your job. And right now, I can't say that Bryant and Portis do that consistently as far as being able to be up and pick and roll, being able to trap, being able to have the versatility. So they're going to have to be able to understand, okay, I need to be able to show and recover and give my guards a chance. And at this point, they're just not there right now. And, you know, it's, it's tough. I mean, coming in, especially for Portis. I mean, Bryant's young. Portis is just coming in. It's just going to take some reps. As far as building a defense around them, you're going to have to have stronger defenders and higher IQ guys around them so that you can show help early and recover out to the perimeter so that you can know when you need to fight over a screen so you can kind of talk them through those things as they learn and are able to build up to the point where they can kind of become anchors and become more communicators because right now I think the communication is a big aspect they're lacking.
0: Yeah, for sure. Well, so that's kind of one of the things that I was going to say following up. Did, so, like, Jokic doesn't move his feet well, right? Like, he's, he's like, lumbering, and they play him back. But, like, Jokic is pretty good in knowing where to be. And, and mm-hmm. from what I can tell from afar, he's pretty good at identifying plays and, and calling things out, too. He seems to know what other teams are running. He seems to be able to communicate, okay, you need to be here, you need to be here. And I don't think Thomas Bryan is at all there with that. Like, I think he gets he gets caught off of guard. Like, the, to me, the biggest problem with the Wizards' defense is communicative. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's not as bad as it was early in the year. I think Wall, like I've said this a few times, John Wall called more switches guarding the front ends of pick and rolls than any guard I've ever seen in my life this year. <laughs> and, like, their, their bigs were just caught, they were just caught at back because the, the guy defending the back end is the dude who calls the plays, right? He's the one who, yeah. who calls out what to do. And mm-hmm. they would just be like, "Wait, what?" And and mm-hmm. it would just be these unsuspecting moments. And then you'd have guys just getting all the way to the rim because nobody knew what to do in those situations. They were always caught off guard. And uh, I think that it got better with him, with you know, Sato there because Sato was pretty good in in those situations, or Beal guard in the front end, or even Chasem Randall or those guys. But like they, to me, it's a communication thing. How much can that improve? Like Thomas Bryant's twenty one. How much can, like, play recognition, signals, that kind of stuff, improve from, like, age 21 to 24? Is that coachable, or, or is that just kind of instincts? Oh, a lot. A lot.
1: Um, the biggest thing with Bryant is just his youth. Uh, a lot of the times he looks just uncertain. You know, like, he's, try- he's trying to do the right things. He just doesn't know exactly what they are all the time. And that's something you can improve on. And this is a good season for him to continue to get those repetitions and start to understand what action is real, what action is false. Are they really trying to set a pick and roll here? Do I need to help here? And, you know, I always talk about three phases of defense. You're either um, reacting, anticipating, or dictating. And right now, the Wizards and Bryant, they react a lot, right? So they're always reacting to what the offense does and trying to figure out what to do afterwards. Uh, To talk about coachable, it's starting to build that anticipation in players so that they can anticipate, okay, this is what this team is running. This is what we're trying to do. We want to make sure that we protect the paint. Okay, I know I got to stop the ball and get back to my roller. Those kind of things you can coach up so that that way he's becoming someone who's anticipating more out on the court rather than, you know, he gives the effort, but it's it's a reactionary effort. It's, oh, okay, the ball is coming at me. I need to either block or find my man. Is he there? Those kind of questions. You can see him thinking a lot, and, and it's just going to take time for him to kind of feel that out and get better in that area.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think, and he's a free agent after this year. I th- It's very possible the Wizards bring him back. I don't think the market for him is going to be like, Wildly high. He's a restricted free agent, and he's a conventional, relatively conventional big man. Like, there's not a huge market for those sorts of guys, and there's not a huge sorts of market, a huge market for for like restricted free agents as well. So I think it's, and the Wizards really like him. So I think it's extremely possible they end up bringing him back. One thing I will say is like, if I were gonna bet on a guy to improve, it would be a guy who has, who plays hard, has a good work ethic, and cares a lot. And I think he fits all three of those things. So I, 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 don't know if I don't I don't know. The, to me, the amazing thing about scouts, like the crazy part of scouts to me, is when, not necessarily if they look at a guy and say that guy's a good shooter, that guy's a good defender, that guy's a good passer. It's that it's when they look at a guy and say that guy's a bad defender, but he will be a good defender, or that guy's yep. a bad shooter, but he will be a good shooter. And uh, I I don't know if Thomas Bryant's gonna get better on defense or not, but, like, if he were going to, like, that's the kind of guy that I would bet would, you know?
1: Mm Mm-hmm. No, I I understand. It's really interesting you bring that up because it's one of the toughest things to evaluate, and it's why I always get curious why on Twitter and the world we write some of these young players off. It's really about your time and your situation and do you have the chance to develop. Like, I always bring up Spencer Dimwitty. Spencer Dimwitty is really good now, Right. Yeah. He got the time to develop. He found a place that believed in him, was going to let him play, and he developed those skills. He worked hard into it, but he took advantage of the opportunity. There's a lot of young guys out there who have the talent and the will, they haven't found their fit. So, I mean, I think Jabari Parker, for example, I don't think you could say Jabari Parker's not talented. Has he found his home yet? No. And the question is, will he? you know everyone talks about his defense and it's it's one of those things where you got to find the right spot especially for a young guy and that can be tough you know that's why a lot of guys bounce out of the league for a little bit and then come back shout out to Jimmer
0: <laughs> yeah jimmer's back man
1: yeah, that's crazy that's wild that's wild that's one of my biggest misses i love jimmer but man i thought he was going to be something crazy anyways
0: he was putting up those numbers in china he doesn't I, there's not there is not a pro league that I find is more, like, consistently discredited than the Chinese one. Like, it's it's amazing. Do you know why that is, though? Why guys put up numbers? No, why it's discredited.
1: Yeah. Yeah. My, my thing is, I, who's the person who's not putting up numbers? Like, they always put up the stats on Twitter, and I see them, but who's the person who is averaging, like, 12 and 5? No one. <laughs> that's what that's what I mean. I, I wanna see those stats tweeted out one time.
0: I imagine so, I no one goes there and I'm just twelve and five.
1: <laughs> like who's who's putting up average stats over there? I I w I, I wanna find it. I'm a, I'm gonna challenge the world. Somebody send me someone who's getting average stats in China.
0: Do you think like do you think like guys would put up like Wilt numbers or like role players?
1: I wonder like, if they are. That's wild. <laughs>
0: Yeah, like if you average like 24 and 12, are you just a role player there?
1: That, that actually is hilarious. I never thought of that spectrum. You're averaging 20 and 10, they're looking at you like, oh, that's not going to be enough. Yeah. He's, he's a good seventh, man. Good glue guy over here.
0: <laughs> it's it's unreal. It's like George Crawford goes there and averages 44 a game. Wow, every time. Yeah. All the time. Everyone. <laughs>
1: No, that's crazy. That would be fun. Uh, that I, I think, I think there should be like a documentary on that whole experience. I, I need answers. I got a lot of questions.
0: Oh man, it's 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 a great, It's one of my favorite topics. It's like <laughs> I, I like I like bringing up like so and so's numbers in uh, in the CBA, and then and then just seeing people in the nose reactions. And they're like, yeah, of course he is. <laughs> no My thing is,
1: what do you think Jeff Green would do over there?
0: Jeff Grant, Jeff Green would still probably average like thirteen and six. <laughs> no, I no. you'd uh, be a legend.
1: I think he would average a triple double.
0: Yeah.
1: I feel like this is extremely offensive. I need to apologize to Jeff Green. <laughs> I
0: mean, be no offense. No, Jeff me. Green. Jeff Green would definitely dominate there because he's an NBA player. Every NBA player would dominate there.
1: It's wild. For sure. Although that is wild. Now I'm trying to think. We could play this game all day. Who wouldn't? I'm trying to think of the skill set where you would, like, you has them.
0: Yeah, or, like, maybe, like, if, like, Reggie Evans went there, he wouldn't average a lot of points, but Reggie Evans would average, like, 28 rebounds a game.
1: Would that make up for it? If you average 5 and 30 over there, would that make up for it? <laughs> 5
0: and 30. <laughs> That's yeah, yeah, if you average thirty rebounds a game, that counts as a Okay. Uh, that's fair. If if you're averaging more rebounds a game than Wilt ever did, then I'm going to say that, that is that is ridiculous.
1: Makes sense. Like th- does Ryan Anderson still average thirty over there?
0: Yeah. Yeah. He's just gonna hit a ton of threes. That's a good point. Every that's every good. NBA player. Like I feel like Jabari would average fifty.
1: Oh, there's no doubt. There's no doubt. I think he'd average 50, 15 and 8.
0: Yeah, he would just he would just destroy there. I, I want to know your take. I want to know your take on Troy Brown.
1: I like Troy Brown. I think Troy Brown's got a lot of potential. It's just going to be, can he develop? And I, I think when you look at him, he's got the, the body and the mold to be a player. And now it's just starting to get the mind, you know, there's sometimes on defense, especially where he'll be in position on the ball. Someone will move the ball. His guy will come off the screen and all of a sudden it's a layup. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or he'll be on the fence in the corner and he's in the right spot. Then he's trying to cut or he's trying to rise to the wing. And then he's just kind of standing. So it's just kind of starting to get that feel a little bit more as far as that goes. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see how he finishes the year. Uh, hopefully, you know, getting some more minutes. But I think he's got the potential to be able to put some things together. He's just got to kind of continue to develop and build on those minutes, in my opinion. Um, uh, it's going to be interesting to see which end he kind of carves that in on. You know, Is he going to be a defensive guy? Is he going to be a 3 and D guy? Um, can he put together something to show, hey, you know what, I, I can do a little bit of everything. Because I think he's got the ability to push the ball. He's got the ability to shoot a little bit, defend a little bit. But what's going to be the thing that he does? You know, is is he going to be able to start cutting? Is he going to be able to stop ball watching so much offensively? Just those little tweaks. And he's young. He'll figure it out.
0: Yeah, I I think playing Utah was a really good learning experience for him the other night because Utah sets, especially defensively, Utah sets these really, really confusing screens. And every player you talk to will tell you that they're better than any other team in the league at disguising their plays. That, like, they have so many plays that start off looking similar, and they just kind of add these different kind of wrinkles. I don't know if they're adding wrinkles or if their guys just have more freedom. They have more options to do stuff, and they have smart players, so they just are able to kind of retain more information and make those decisions on the fly or what it is. But every player I talk to says they have one of the toughest uh, teams to guard, in terms of like the types of screens they set and that kind of stuff, and Troy just got turned around like so many different times, just going in the right direction. It's part of the wrong direction. That's part of why they left Joe Ingles open so many mm-hmm. times because they had him him guarding Ingles and Jafari Parker guarding Ingles. Also, if you don't want to leave Tro- Joe Ingles so open all the time, by the way, then you you can just like there's there's a there's a there's a, a mixtape now of Joe Ingles shooting nine wide open threes <laughs> against the Wizards on YouTube. And if you don't want them all wide open, just don't have your rookie and Jabari Parker be the only two people who guard him, maybe do that. But, like, he really struggled, I think, defensively in that, and that was a good learning experience for him, I think. Um, The more things that he has like that, I think he'll be able to pick stuff up. He's really smart. He's really, like, super bright. So I I think he's going to pick stuff up. What's the next step for him? Like, what what should be the expected – goals for him next season
1: as far as i think give me a little bit more as far as what he should be able to do or what
0: should he what should he be like what should wizard like what would be a reasonable second because he didn't play that much this year he's gotten playing time in the last nine ten games whatever he will for the rest of the year he started the last two whichever reason hurt didn't play great tonight he's 19 years old that's gonna happen he was pretty good last game in his first career start. He had a really nice run in the third quarter when they were coming back against Denver. Like, what should be the expectations for for that season? Where should where should the expected improvements come? Where should the expected progressions come? Or is that even, like, too specific to discuss?
1: Oh, uh, I think they should be able to expect him to become a contributor and be able to have consistency in one area. Because if I asked you, what do you think Troy Brown's going to do tonight? There's no answer, right? Yeah, yeah, I have no idea. Yeah, you don't know if it's going to be energy, defense, or whatever. I think being able to find a niche, obviously you want to get better defensively, but hey, maybe he's a driver. Maybe he becomes a slasher. Maybe he becomes someone who brings the energy or defense. It's just kind of checking off a box on what he brings every night. That's going to help him out, you know, because he's just – it's not his fault. He's young, but he'll just have moments where its he's just uncertain of what he should do. So it seems cliche, but – uh, you'd hope he'd become more aggressive. You'd hope he'd become more comfortable on both ends, as far as being able to space the floor and attack and you know defend, move through screens, move through rescreens. Because you know he's got the mind. You know, and even a couple of the possessions I saw today, he's in the right position. But I think I don't remember who it was for Miami. They set a screen on him. He was guarding I think Dragic. They set a rescreen, and he just was done on the screen, and Dragic ended up scoring. So it's just those little things that he's going to pick up through experience. So I'd say a contributor, someone that, you know, there's some sort of level of consistency with something that he could do all day.
0: What do you think of Izzo yelling at his players?
1: Oh, we're doing this.
0: No, we don't have oh, to. My God, I I just, to. I just want to go on a rant for a second.
1: Um, I, I,
0: I, I hate the reaction, man. <laughs> I hate it. You just yelled at him. Which part? We don't even know we don't even know what he said. I, I like to think he was saying, You're a great player, I'm so glad you're here. Your company's wonderful. Tell your parents I say hello.
1: I have a decent feeling that's not what he said.
0: We don't even know he just yelled at him. Who cares? Oh my god. I, I think
1: my problem with it is and I said I wasn't gonna say anything about this, but you got me into a catch. Yes, I
0: did. Yes, yeah, um, talk.
1: Very well done. <laughs> I think there's so much context that we're lacking yeah and there's so much gray area i think we can agree college coaches are too extra without saying that they have to not coach you know what i mean
0: i think For that's sure. acceptable
1: i think it's acceptable to be like you know what? so maybe went a little bit too hard there that doesn't mean you can't yell and scream as a coach you know what i mean? Yes. And like it became this huge thing, and I'm like seeing the same argument three days later, and I'm like, come on, guys. But to me, that's a bigger referendum on how we talk to each other and how Twitter lets you argue um, and not listen to anybody. Because I'm sure you're getting more Twitter arguments than me, or maybe I'm assuming. But like, people just say the same thing over and over again.
0: Yeah. I just try to. I just try to avoid them. I don't get into it arguments. I just ignore the mentions when people. I'll. I'll say my. Say my thing, and then I just tend to ignore them. I mean, I just. You're right. There's. There's no context. Like we. I. There are players who want their coaches to. Be more like that with them, you know. Like there are players who. Who after it are like yeah I, you know they, that works as a as a way to communicate with me in those moments. There are players who you can't do that with because they close down. Like, just like all people, some different people respond to motivational techniques, to communication techniques differently. We don't know what he said. We don't know what their relationship is like. Like, it's it's just, it's so weird to be so angry uh, about about a dude. Yell. Like, look, the college players should get paid, College players, because they don't get paid and because they're being exploited, should not be treated the same way all the time as pros. For sure. no yeah. Of yeah. course not. Yeah. They, these are yeah. two separate conversations. But, like, just because a guy doesn't get paid doesn't mean that a coach can't just, like, coach.
1: Yeah. And even if, he, even if you had a problem with Izzo, like, I thought Izzo went too hard. That was my first one. I was like, oh, man, he was hot. But I was never like, oh, man, cancel coaching. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like, I I didn't jump on that bandwagon. I think you can agree, okay, maybe it's going too far without acknowledging anything past that because, I don't know, I mean, like, think about it. And I don't even want to defend him, but what if he had told him not to do that for, like, a week straight? Right. And then he, he did the thing that he said not to do or watch out, this is going to happen or something. You, you know what I mean? There's so many things we don't know about. And – you know, maybe that's something he needs. We never, I don't know. I just don't get it. I just do not
0: get why you would argue about that for two days. I agree. Says the person who asked you about it three days later. I know, right?
1: <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't had the
0: conversation with anyone. And I was like, I want to ask you, you're a coach. Uh,
1: I just, when you're talking, you got to know your people. You know, you got to know the time and scenario. Cause there's a time where you snap on a player, it's going to be the worst time to do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if that in the second half or something like that, or a heated moment, or you can tell that player is emotional, and you do that, yeah, you might get a reaction. And you got to know your players. He's experienced enough to know what he's doing. Um, I'm sure, and this goes without saying, I think any former college basketball player would agree. He's probably heard something worse in practice. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not saying they. I know some college coaches go way too far, and we've seen them all tweeted out these days now, but I'm sure he's heard words in practice. But to me, it doesn't have to be this large scale like discussion of, man, I can't wait for these coaches to get out of here, or how dare you act like coaching. Like, just find the gray area. Find the gray area. Izzo did too much. You can still coach. There's other things we can... Let's move on. It seems like a easy one-and-done deal, but... We live in the land of hot takes, and everyone's got to get their take off. And if you disagree with their take, you're going to get their take, and you're just going to have takes back and forth for two days.
0: Yes. I appreciate your hot take on hot takes.
1: Did I just Uh, have a hot take? uh,
0: You you had a – I'm going to call it a hot take on hot takes for the sake of it so we can send the Internet after you. Can we go room temperature? (laughs) How about tepid? Tepid Okay. Tepid take.
1: I'm trying to I want to corner of the market on the tepid of take. To just be all
0: all reasonable takes.
1: All just reasonable, mediocre, nuanced takes that no one wants to listen to. That's what I'm here for. Perfect. Those. Perfect. But I'm gonna talk about the Pacers. Like, that's gonna be my corner of the world. I love talking
0: about the Pacers. Pacers are like one of the most fun teams in the league to watch. I'm considering Miles Turner for my most improved ballot and everything.
1: Okay, now I'm gonna ask a question. Yeah. What do you feel about the Most Improved Player Award?
0: Uh, I, I actually was having this conversation tonight because uh, the Wizards are handing out Thomas Bryant Most Improved stuff in the media room. Wait, time out. They're promoting for that? They're promoting Bradley Beal All-NBA, which makes perfect okay. sense, and okay. Thomas Bryant Most Improved, which makes less sense. Uh, first of all, I will probably never put a second-year player on my most improved ballot. I don't know if I have a vote yet. By the way, I, I think it's—I I think I—I I would guess that I will, but I, I don't—I don't know. They haven't sent out the stuff yet.
1: I don't so, know how that works. Do you like get off the list, or how does that work?
0: The NBA chooses the NBA chooses the voters, and it's not the same. It's a hundred voters. It's not the Uh-oh. same voters every year. It's a list of beat writers. The Washington Post doesn't vote by policy, so. That- there's usually at least one. There, there's always at least one beat, beat writer from every market. So I'm assuming that that I'll be there, but I don't. I don't know. Um, so do we, do we need to make packets like cats for a vote? Do we need to send that. To <laughs> That's okay. That sounds like an even worse packet than Thomas Bryant Most Improved Player.
1: Um, you do have a point there.
0: You I will. I will. I will probably never vote for. I hate Most Improved. My least favorite award is Executive of the Year, because <laughs> because if you're The whole point of being an executive is being future-thinking. And so, like, they should do executive of the year, like, five years in advance. You have a
1: point there.
0: Like, the whole point is being future-thinking and we're giving out the award in the moment.
1: Yeah, you have a point there. I don't have much to clap back on that
0: one. But most improved is dumb. Like, I don't don't know. I'm, like, I'm considering Paul George because Paul George made – like, in some way, I think there's it's a very valid argument to say the jump from, like, the 100th best player to the 30th best player is not as difficult yes. as the jump from the 17th best player to the 3rd best player. Which, if you have Paul yes. George on, you know, 3rd in your MVP ballot, then you're saying he's the 3rd best player of the season. So, like, in in that sense, I feel like Paul George has a great argument. In, in another sense, like... Pascal Siakam was a bench player playing 18 minutes or whatever it was, and now he's the second or third best player on what's going to be a fifty five to sixty one team, which is obviously tremendous improvement. And so, like, do I do I say that Pascal Siakam had more room between where he was as a player last year than he was this year, or that Paul George's jump was more difficult, or is it D'Angelo Russell because he was the dude who wasn't an all star and became an all star? Like, I, I don't. I don't know, man. It's a, it's a stupid award, honestly. I often
1: joked about the most improved player award growing up that it was a, hey, we thought you were bad, but you weren't that bad, so here's this award. We're sorry. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that, to me, I, I, I never like it when people advocate for super established players to get that award because I think it's kind of an insult unless you make a massive leap, like Oladipo last year. I get it. You know what I mean? I, mm-hmm. I get it. I get it. Go, go ahead and give that to him. To me, I, Siakam. I hadn't really even thought about that much. I'd probably give it to Siakam or D'Angelo Russell because they made a step. I think you got to hopefully the voters will kind of try and reframe that award to reward guys who really took a leap. And even though I just said I hate giving it to established players, I mean, why wouldn't you give it to Jokic? Sure. For his consistency, you know? As sure. far as. they are
0: like a million good candidates.
1: There's an argument for anybody for most improved player who actually is in the rotation. Now that I think about it,
0: yeah, yeah. My my uh, my extremely hot most improved player take is that most there's no rule that explicitly states that it can't be a rookie, and so most improved player should just be the whoever wins rookie of the year because last year he was giving the NBA absolutely nothing, and this year like Luka, has been a very good player, and so most improved player should really just be Rookie of the Year. But if I ever did that, I would never get a vote ever again because I'd be making a mockery of the process, so I'll never do that. But that is my ridiculous take for Most Improved Player. Technically, that would work. I tweeted that out, and some hilarious person responded to me that Most Improved Player should really be whoever had a terrible plus-minus the year before and then retired. Oh! (laughs) (laughs) That's a good one. So that should really be the Most Improved Player. I was like, you're right.
1: You just gave the ghost pepper hot take on most improved player. Like, I don't think it's getting any hotter than that. <laughs> also, secondly, if you vote Trey Young as most improved player, they will take all your votes away. Yeah, I'm just
0: yeah, saying. 100%. And they should. Trey Young is super good, though.
1: You know what? As While we're on it, I'm going to make a candidacy for Jonas Valanciunas, just the Memphis version.
0: Yeah. <laughs> he had like 30-something the other night.
1: Every time I look up, dude has like twenty and twenty. I'm, I'm like, huh? Yeah. Also, while we're getting takes off, the Grizzlies have all the players that I wish they had on different teams at different times.
0: <laughs> that's that's a great take. They have like, did you ever do like sim league by any chance? Yeah, you did. They basically have like a sim league twist team.
1: It's just, every time I look up, I think they had a lineup the other day. It was like Conley, Parsons, Noah, Valanchunas, and someone else. And I was like, man, these pieces would have been so dope on different teams.
0: I know. That's true. But now they're stuck together now. But the Chris. Any other good, most improved guys? I mean. I think Miles Turner has, has a case to be on the ballot. Not to win, but to be on the ballot. He's
1: in the conversation?
0: I I think he's so much better defensively now than than he was. Like, he was just, like, all blocks, all chasing blocks. He would break schemes and just run out and try to swat shots at every opportunity. And now he's, like, he's, like, a good rim protector. Like, he alters shots, and guys try to avoid him. And, like, I think he's a very good defender now. I think he's totally changed as a defender.
1: I could see that. I could totally see that. I could agree with that. What I would say here is – you mentioned D'Angelo Russell. Wouldn't Kemba Walker's season make that not possible? What do you mean? Like, hasn't Kemba taken a leap that would surpass D'Angelo's leap?
0: Has Kemba really taken a leap? I don't I think, know how much of a leap Kemba has taken. You don't think the consistency's been there? He's kind of fallen off since December. Like, he he, he hasn't been what he If he did what he did at the start of the year to to, to follow up, like... His his efficiency numbers are actually a little down this year, That's from fair. what they were the past couple. Uh, he's just he's shooting more. But look at his team. His, uh, look, you're making <laughs> to me to me you're making the Kemba All Lead case. That's that's okay. not the Kemba Most Improved. I, I think he's the same player. No,
1: I'm gonna I'm gonna burn I'm gonna burn my Kemba for Most Improved Player take. I'm gonna throw it in the trash. And
0: we'll,
1: <laughs> I'm gonna workshop it.
0: I think that's I think that's stretching. I would definitely not have Kemba. I would, if we're talking like out of all stars, I would have Paul George ahead of him. I would have Bradley Beal ahead of him. I would have uh, Giannis ahead of him. I, hell, I would. How about this? I would, how about James Harden for most improved player?
1: The world would light on fire if that happened. But,
0: but there's an Harden argument. For
1: it? There's an argument for it because of what he's done to improve his game as far as driving right and hitting floaters and playing defense and the step-back three, you have an argument, but man, if someone were to put that think piece out there, the the world would
0: <laughs> that That would ruin most improved player. But like, look, he, like, <laughs> no, I'm, I don't need to look it up. No one has ever won MVP and then won most improved player. But like, Here. he's wild. He's better.
1: Oh, he's much better. And he's not going to get enough credit. It feels like people are waiting for the Rockets to lose in the playoffs. So they can see, but hey, told you so. But no, just, just appreciate how good of a season he's had and how great he's been. And
0: see what happens. You think he's MVP?
1: Oh, yeah. I think so. Yeah. I think so. I'm not sure I, yet. It seems like seems like there's a lot of Giannis. You roped me into an MVP debate. This is unbelievable.
0: <laughs> it's not a debate. It's a conversation. We're not debating. Smart move. Um, I'd probably say it's a three-
1: I thought it was a three-person race. I think it's just between Giannis and Harden.
0: Yeah, to me honest. too. I don't think they're I'm sure. fine with either guy. They're both phenomenal. They're both very deserving MVPs. They're both having unbelievable seasons.
1: Yeah, they both have had great years, and they both deserve it. You know, it's not going to be a knock on whoever loses. That's They've both been unbelievable. Unbelievable. Back to most improve Montrezl Harrell.
0: Yeah, yes. Harrell's good, too. He's good. He's having a good year. Can Can Harold here's, – here's another take, which I don't actually believe. Uh, can Harold win – can he even receive six man of the year votes if he is the team's seventh man?
1: No. No one on that team can receive six man of the year votes because of Lou Williams.
0: Exactly. Like, you can't think that Lou Williams is sixth man of the year and then put Harold second, second because he's a seventh man.
1: Yeah, it's impossible. That just is good. Actually, you just kind of blew my mind with that one. It's a good one. I like it. That's a good one.
0: I don't actually live that. I would, I, mean, <laughs> I, would, I would, I would absolutely consider putting Harold there. Uh, all right, I'll let you go. I've wasted too much of your time. Do you have anything to tell the listeners or anything before uh, we wrap up where they can follow uh, you? Well, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at
1: SteveJones20 if you would like super lukewarm takes amazing breakdowns of film of games that you're not watching i'm here for you nah we do some fun stuff i put some tape out there try and get you guys going i just try and share some joy with the world share some basketball with the world since you know i was around for a little bit God, i told you we should have worked on this you gotta have me write this down next time caps no I gotta,
0: this is this is perfect
1: i gotta workshop this i gotta this, plug myself more
0: this is perfect
1: uh, follow me. Yeah, follow me. <laughs> don't respond. Don't respond to me though, because um, if you come with some nonsense I'm not a blocker. Are you a blocker?
0: No. I i I um, I've blocked very few people.
1: You gotta do some real outlandish stuff to get blocked.
0: I only but, I only block people who are like offensive.
1: Offensive offensive, like like, off- like like
0: offensive offensive.
1: I got you. That makes sense. And you said you're a one and done when it comes to arguments. You say your piece and that's it.
0: Yeah, every once in a while, if someone's really getting on my nerves, I'll fire off something. But I I won't do it if I'm just pissed. I have to be I have to be annoyed, and I have to like have a really good zinger. Oh, so you gotta have the dunk ready? Yeah, I, I'll only do it if I know I am dunking on you. Okay, that's not, that's I can respect that. Because because yeah. then I know it's like then I'm happy with it.
1: Yeah, you're happy with it, and it's over, because you've dunked. Right,
0: and then I'll often mute the person after. <laughs> <laughs> Do you apologize for the dunk? No. Never? Never? Okay. What? Did, did Vince? <laughs> did Michael? Never?
1: Uh, that's true. You got a point there.
0: Never. Um, all right. Uh, that is it for today's Wizards After Dark. I'm going to be back. They play the Lakers on Tuesday. I'm going out to LA on Monday. I've never been upset to say that sentence in my entire life. I'm going out to LA this week. I'll be there at the game against the Lakers on Tuesday. I'll be podcasting after that one, and I will talk to you guys then.